Our scripture this morning um, for the message is found in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 to 9. Pay careful attention to the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you don't now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Pray with me. Father God, we pray that in these minutes you would work according to your spirit, by and with the word in our hearts, to renew our hope and to restore our joy, that we might bring glory to you and testify to the power of the risen Christ. We pray this in his mighty name. Amen. Thanks, Joel, for the water. Appreciate that. Well, good good morning. Um, so, true confession, I don't know how to play baseball, uh, but I love baseball. I'm a baseball fan. Last night, I watched the Cubs uh, lay waste to my beloved Cardinals, which has been happening with fair regularity. And it made me think of one of my favorite Snoopy cartoons. Uh, you may have seen it before. It's the one where Charlie Brown is pitching Uh, The bases are loaded, there's no one out, and the best batter on the opposing team is at the plate. And Schroeder, who's catching, comes out to the pitching mound to have a conference, uh, try and get Charlie to calm down. And Charlie Brown looks around and says, well, what do you think? And Schroeder says, we live in difficult times. Right? We really do. I mean, it's kind of terrifying to log on to your computer in the morning and check the news. Um, We are in the midst of an economic crisis, Um, maybe the coming economic apocalypse, if some of the pundits are correct. Don't know what that's going to mean. 
Uh, we are dealing with a divided nation that is polarized on social issues and political issues and ideological commitments. We're dealing with relational struggles in our families and relational struggles at work. And we're dealing on top of all of that with the continuing pandemic and its aftermath. And who knows what monkeypox will bring. If you wanted to find things to worry about, you could find plenty to stay awake at night, right? But here's the good news. Peter says what is most true about you and I are not our circumstances, not the apparent chaos monsters that have taken over our nation, but rather the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ. And Peter says the truth is this. You are those who are the elect people of God, living as exiles and strangers in the world. This world is not our home, right? The old spiritual says, I'm just a passing through. There is truth in the sense that our ultimate allegiance and our ultimate home um, is going to be the new heaven and the new earth under the reign of King Jesus And so Peter says, you were called according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Beloved, you and I are the people of God, called by his name, called into his body, the church. And that is the objective truth. And that is is where we place our hope in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter is so excited about this gospel. He he just burst in verse 3 into praise, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What he's going to first remind us of is that our spiritual position is secure. Our sins have been forgiven. We have been born again into a living hope. We have been born again into a living hope. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We do not worship a dead founder. Uh, We do not remember a tradition, though we celebrate the tradition of the Reformed Fathers and the three forms of unity in the Westminster Confession of Faith and Catechism. Um, But we worship a living, risen Lord Jesus, who Paul says in Romans chapter 1, by his resurrection from the dead was declared with power to be the Son of God. And in his glorified body, having ascended to the right hand of the Father, just a week ago was Ascension Sunday. Right? We remember this that our Lord Jesus, in glorified human flesh, our own flesh in heaven, the Heidelberg Catechism says, is right now praying for us by name. And beloved, he's written your name on his palm so he will not forget. Interceding for us, as we sang in that great hymn of Charles Wesley's just a few minutes ago. That's a reason to rejoice. Don't put your attention on the chaos monsters outside. Put your attention on the Lord who has loved you and called you and who has bought you with his own blood. 
and who has filled you with his spirit. You see, part of the problem is when we talk about hope, we sometimes say it this way. Um, I hope Albert Pujols will hit 100 home runs this summer and that the Cardinals will cruise into the playoffs and will win the World Series. I really hope that happens. I don't think it's going to happen. I wish it would. Um, I'll I'll keep waiting to see if it happens. But, But the truth is, I have no power, no control over how the Cardinals play this summer, right? And you have no control over how the Braves do, though I'm sure they'll do better than the Cards. That's not the kind of hope that we're talking about. We're talking about what Stuart Briscoe called overwhelming confidence. See, you can have little hope in something that is very worthy of your hope and be perfectly safe, or you can have great hope in something that is not worthy of your hope, and you'll be in deep weeds. Peter says, we have a living hope who is a person to whom we are united by the Holy Spirit. And that means as you and I get up and go out tomorrow, whatever God has for us this week, there is no fear. We are his people, led by his spirit, walking into providential circumstances that he has ordained, performing those good works which he has already appointed for us to do, and we can go trusting that whatever comes, the Lord Jesus is going to walk through it with us. My um, daughter, Laura, is a, a Christian counselor and licensed therapist in Chattanooga, but when she was in high school, she did her high school studies in South Africa, in Cape Town. And I could spend the rest of the day trying to explain to you the difference between the American um, high school system and the South African, but let me just explain it this way. In South Africa, for three years, you study six or seven subjects in depth, sort of as you would at university. And then at the end, nothing you do during that three years matters one bit. And at the end of that three years, you take a month-long exam. Well, it's not a month straight through, but you have like a day of essay exams, a day off, another day of essay exams. It lasts an entire month, and that grade on that exam determines the rest of your life, whether you get to go to college, uh, whether you can study medicine or law, or whether you take up a trade. It determines the future. So it's really important. It happened at that time that you could study biblical studies as an optional subject. And so I was teaching at a theological college in, in the Cape and uh, offered to help Laura's class prepare for their matric exam in Bible. And I got to know the girls in her class. She had a very small cohort of about 10 girls. They, they were great young people. And it was a real pleasure to teach scripture to them. But they um, had to take a, a mock exam to uh, kind of practice to see what it would be like to write their final matriculation exam. And afterwards, I walked up to a couple of them, and I said uh, to the first girl, Camilla, uh, tell me, how did it go? How many subjects did you write? She said, seven. And I said, terrific. How did it go? She said, well, Uncle Herb, actually, uh, it went rather well. And I said, well, how'd you do? She said, I got seven distinctions. A distinction is like a 4.0 on steroids, right? She had just blown it out of the park, done brilliantly. And I said, well, how do you feel about the exam coming up in the fall? And she said, oh, I hope to pass, right? And then I talked to a young lady that I'll call Sarah. 
Um, Sarah, how many uh, subjects did you study? Six, Uncle Herb. How did you do? Well, she said, um, it didn't go as I'd hoped. And I said, really, what happened? She said, well, I failed all six. And I said, well, how are you feeling about the exams coming up in November? And she said, oh, I hope I'll pass. You see, both use the word hope, but one had an unshakable, overwhelming confidence. And the other was hoping for a miracle. Beloved, we've already had our miracle. Jesus took on human flesh, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, one person, two natures. He walked in our shoes. He fulfilled the law perfectly, fulfilling all righteousness, which is imputed to us and received by faith. And on the cross, he bore our sins and bore the penalty of the law for us. So that when the Father hears your prayer, Tim Keller says, he hears the voice of the Son. When the Father looks at you and I, he sees the sum total of the righteousness of Christ. Your spiritual position is secure. Your past sins forgiven. You have a living hope. How's your joy? Are you rejoicing in the reality that is most true about who you are? as a beloved child of God. Well, that's not all. Peter says there's a second reason we should rejoice. Uh, we are heirs of the kingdom. Um, now, I, I know if you look at me today, I don't look like much. I'm kind of a doddering old professor um, from a tiny college located on top of a mountain. But here's the thing. You just wait until we get to the new heaven and the new earth. I'm actually hoping I'll get my hair back. Don't know that that's going to happen, but, you know, can always hope. But here's the thing. Peter says, not only have we been born again to a living hope, but we have been granted an inheritance, verse 4, that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Look, everything you and I have, our cars out in the parking lot, the books that I cherish that are on my shelves, it will all be dust and ashes before many years have gone by, right? I had to glue this Bible before I brought it to church this morning because it's falling apart. Um, things fall apart, Chinua Achebe said. And in a broken world such as we live in, that's true. But listen, beloved, God has an inheritance for you that is imperishable. It's not going to be lost. It's not going to pass away. It's not going to fade. Uh, the binding's not going to crack. It's not going to rust out. It's pure and it's amazing. And you say, well, what's it going to be? Well, I don't know exactly. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has ever conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. It's going to be amazing, and it's being kept for you. Um, years ago in college, I, I went to an InterVarsity Christian Fellowship Christmas party, and I was standing there at the, the punch table, and a friend of mine pointed out a guy who looked pretty much like me, right? Back in those days, I'm it was just the way we, we rolled in those days. I had shoulder-length dark brown hair, uh, flannel shirt, jeans, 
and waffle stomper hiking boots. And this guy across the way looked exactly the same. And my friend said, no, he's not like you at all. He is the heir to a chemical company fortune. He is unbelievably wealthy, right? Didn't look like it, but it was true nonetheless. George Van Groningen would say, you and I are royal persons awaiting the receipt of our royal inheritance as co-heirs with Christ. It's being kept. It's right there. Um, You're going to see it one of these days. But not only that, not only is your inheritance being kept for you, but you're being kept for your inheritance. Notice how uh, Peter puts it here. He says, those who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Um, now, in, in the, the original, this is a military term. I want you to think of a fire base, right, with a perimeter. It's, it's impregnable. It can't be assaulted by the enemy. And it's like there's an angelic SEAL Team 6 that's going around with you through your daily life, guarding you, protecting you, as God's people. We don't often see their actions. Every once in a while, something will happen. Um, I was driving home from Wheaton College after final exams and had not slept for the better part of a week and uh, fell asleep on Interstate 55 at 70 miles an hour um, and started spinning down the interstate, dodging uh, road signs and tractor trailers. Finally ended up in a cornfield without damaging the car, hurting the occupants, or doing anything to the corn. The Illinois state trooper that stopped, uh, responded to the incident, was so uh, gobsmacked by the fact that nothing had happened. I mean, he could see the skid marks uh, down the road for over half a mile um, that he just said, I have no idea how this happened, but uh, go home, get some sleep, right? Didn't even write me a ticket. Beloved, I am confident that there was an angel riding shotgun who reached over and steered that car. There's no other explanation, right? There are times when we see God intervene in ways that we cannot explain. And Peter says, whether you see it or not, whether you know they're there or not, you are being protected by faith. As you walk through this world, you will receive that inheritance. You will get home safe. Nothing It's going to stop it because Jesus has promised. So think about it. Your spiritual position, your past sins are forgiven. You have a living hope. Uh, Your future prospects, you have a glorious inheritance that no one can take away that's imperishable and unfading, right? And undefiled, being kept for you. For that moment when the curtain goes up, Peter says, on the final act When the Lord Jesus returns uh, to establish his kingdom and its consummation, a new heaven, a new earth. And we will be there with glorified bodies, enjoying him and worshiping together, praising the Father for all eternity together. What are we going to be doing? Well, I think we're going to be doing many of the things that we do now. We're going to be using our gifts as image bearers to continue to create music and art and um, build things and do that which will bring glory and praise to the Lord in that new heaven and new earth. If you want to get a picture, read The Last Battle by C.S. Lewis. 
when he talks about the children seeing the real England for the first time. Peter says, um, it's going to happen, but he's not done yet. He says, well, what about the present? See, the the present is the problem. I, I don't have any trouble believing that my sins are forgiven. The gospel tells me it's true. I don't have any problem believing that um, one day we're going to have glorified bodies and come into our inheritance. Uh, again, the gospel proclaims that's true. The problem is when I get up tomorrow and I look at the emails in my inbox and the phone calls I have to make and the people I need to see and the things that are falling apart that need to be fixed, how do we deal with the present with the trials that inevitably come from living in a broken world. First of all, we remember that nothing comes into our lives without passing through the hands of our Savior. Right? Paul Koyster put it this way. He said, uh, Jesus never promised that you wouldn't go through hardship, but he promised that he would walk through it with you. Peter puts it this way. He says, In this you rejoice, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith. Think of it as a a badge of tested approvedness, right? Um, When uh, Jaden gets done going through AIT, I think they'll give him a flash or some kind of badge that will signify that he has completed advanced infantry training, that he has gone through basic training through the fire, and he's gone through advanced infantry training, and he has been found worthy and faithful. Peter says, when you and I deal with the brokenness of the world around us, and when we endure trials, that enables the tested genuineness of our faith more precious than gold that perishes in the fire, right? Um, To result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But beloved, it won't be just praise and glory and honor to Jesus. We are united to him. We will celebrate in that consummated kingdom. And Peter says it's coming it's, it's a little bit like uh, the fires in South Africa. Um, I, you probably don't know this. This would be a fun trivia thing to amuse your friends with. Uh, there, we live in the deciduous uh, biosphere or ecosystem. I forget exactly what it's called uh, here in North America. But in Cape Town, there is the Cape Floral Kingdom, which is its own ecosystem. And the primary vegetation is called Fainboss. And I, I don't know how to explain to you except that it's like chaparral, but with these glorious, beautiful proteas, these flowers that, that bloom. But here's the thing. Every summer, they catch fire, and the mountainsides burn to ash, and the beautiful flowers and the plants just disappear into the dust. And a month goes by, and the rains come, and another month goes by, and from the ashes comes this glorious rebirth of the Cape Floral Kingdom. Going through trials is a bit like that. Um, Psalm 56, you know the one, when I'm afraid I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In verse 8, the psalmist says, you have kept a record of my tossings. 
You know, when you're, when you're awake in the middle of the night, right, and, and you can't sleep because you're filled with anxiety, the Lord is keeping a record of the number of times you turn over in your bed. And he is catching, the psalmist says, every tear in a bottle. And what he will do is he will redeem that suffering. He will redeem those tears and those tossings into something that will be a beautiful testimony to the Lord Jesus. Peter says, look, your past sins are forgiven. Your spiritual position is assured. You're united to Christ. You've been born again to a living hope. Uh, Your future prospects are glorious, bright in the extreme. You have this imperishable, unfading, eternal inheritance that you're going to come into, that's being kept for you. And not only so, you're being kept for it. As you go through the world, the Lord is guarding and guiding through all the vicissitudes of life. And even when we suffer, our suffering is being redeemed by Jesus' work on the cross. You want to know how God feels about the sufferings that we endure. You look at Jesus on the cross, bearing our sin on our behalf. Right? That's how much God loved you, that he would give his only son that you and I might be born again to a living hope, into a glorious inheritance, so that in the midst of our own trials, we would know joy as we see God being faithful over and over again. And Peter says, though you haven't seen him, you love him. And though you don't now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Look, if if somebody comes up to you and says, how on earth can you be joyful in the midst of this chaos? You say, well, it's because I know Jesus and and the love that I have for him and the love that he has for me. I, I know I'm his beloved and I know that he is working all things together, not only for his glory, but for my good. And so I'm going to trust him, even when I don't understand, Uh, even though I can't express, perhaps in ways that make sense to you. I had this inexpressible and glorious joy. Uh, John Piper says, actually, having Jesus in the Gospels is better than having been there, you know, in his humanity. He could only be one place at one time, right? Um, But now, you and I can go at any time to Mark 4. And see Jesus with the disciples in the boat, right, on the waves. And they're crying out, Master, don't you care if we perish? And Jesus is magnificent. And he stands up and says to the wind and the waves, be still, cut it out, just stop it. And the wind and the waves cease. We can go into his presence at any moment through the work of the Spirit. And that makes all the difference. Lloyd John Ogilvie was a Presbyterian minister, um, author. He had gone to Scotland uh, up near Fort William uh, to a cottage near the ocean where he could write a book on hope. And he had gone for a walk one day along the beach. And if you've ever been to a Scottish beach, you know what it's like. Uh, It's strewn with boulders. And he was clambering around the boulders. And they were wet. And sure enough, he slipped and pinned his leg between two of them, breaking it in multiple places. Um, and he actually passed out from the pain. 
When he came to, he realized it was a deserted place, that if he stayed out there, he would die from hypothermia. So he freed his leg and began to drag himself um, off the boulder field, back up to a pasture where he crawled on his, um, his face, literally past the sheep who were trying to figure out what this guy was doing face down in the mud for two hours and 45 minutes till he got to a path. And as it happened in God's providence, there was a doctor and his family that had decided to go for a walk after the rain stopped. And they were able to put a splint on, uh, get, them to, uh, get him to their Land Rover and get him to hospital in Fort William. Uh, he had to have very extensive surgical intervention, um, lots of physical therapy extending over months and months, um, took forever for him to get back to full mobility. And he said while it was going on, all he kept thinking about was, how am I going to preach? I can't stand up. Um, how am I going to write? Uh, the pain is so intense, I can't think. When he finally began to realize that God was so much more concerned about what he was doing in Lloyd's life than what Lloyd was doing for God. And he said it was almost as if he heard the voice. Now, he was a Presbyterian, so he did not hear a, a voice. But he said it was almost as if the Lord Jesus said to him, I don't just give hope. I am your hope. Beloved, that's what Peter is saying. And when you and I wrap our minds around that and get it deep in our hearts, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can have joy even when, humanly speaking, no one around us can understand how we're able to rejoice. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing. Father, I pray for those who are going through hard times right now. Perhaps it concerns employment. Perhaps it's a relationship in the family that seems beyond mending. Maybe it's financial difficulty. Whatever the need, we pray, Father, that you would come mighty to save and that in the midst of their suffering, they would find hope, the living hope that is Jesus. And by knowing him and being united to him, Father, that they would rejoice in their salvation. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.